This is Global Crisis Watch. Former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for the Middle East and current ABC News National Defense and Security Analyst Mick Mulroy joins the Media Mavens podcast for a live monthly segment to discuss crucial world events. And here is the host of Global Crisis Watch, the CEO of Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. This is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and your host for Meet and Maven's podcast and Global Crisis Watch. Here with my co-host Joe Pirates, Public Affairs and Sports. Hey, Joey, what's up? Hey, nothing much. Looking forward to today's uh, topics that we're going to be talking about. Did I sound very 2020 efficient? This is yes, Sarah Miller. Okay, just want to make sure because I always yes. screw these up. But like, no, I'm excited. We have some huge breaking news right now. And I'm super excited that we have Mick Mulroy, who is National Security Analyst for ABC News, National Security and Defense, former CIA military operations, who is our monthly co-host host and guest on Global Crisis Watch. So Mick, it's good to have you back since our last Global Crisis Watch podcast with you. Great to be back, Sarah. We had Lots you we had you live from Uganda on the last one. That's right. We've made it out of Uganda. There was a the country actually shut down to COVID uh, right after we departed. Wow. Yeah, so I'm gl- glad you're back safely. But like, there is so much going on right now. And I know right now you've been all over the news um, from ABC, New York Times. I've been following all of the news. You've been talking right and left about AI and the technology and the drones right now in Iraq and what's going on over there. Do you want to give us a little bit of an update on all of this? Yeah, so uh, literally in the last 24 hours, we've seen four attacks against bases of which U.S. forces are present. You see them reported in the media as U.S. bases, but they're actually Iraqi bases of which we're we're, uh, uh, co-located on. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest concern is uh, we've been attacked in Iraq, you know, for the last 20 years. But what's happening is the advancement in technology when it comes to drones uh, has caused a lot of concern amongst U.S. defense officials because uh, we are becoming less and less capable of defending ourselves against them. It's just amazing to me because everybody was, everybody's so big on technology. We see so much advanced technology filter through the economy, at least here in the United States and globally. But it's scary because as tech savvy as we're getting, I feel like other countries are more tech savvy than us, which they have been over time, but they're now using that same technology like on these drones to, um, you know, whether it's, and give us some updates. Is it, is it spying on, are they using them as like attack weapons to drop, I don't want to say bombs, but like, like how are they using this technology with these drones combined to do all this destruction over there? So I'd start with, it's easier to be on the offensive than the defensive. So, you know, we have to keep up with technology that advances uh, from their side, even though if we were on their side, we'd obviously be way farther advanced than they would be on the offensive. Um, but I don't want to get too like technical about it. But in the past, it required a person to drive a drone from a distance. And that gave us the ability to, um, in, in simplistic for, uh, uh, terms, cut off the link between the person who's trying to drive the drone and the drone. Now they're going to GPS coordinates where there's nothing to cut off. So if they know our base is located at this grid, they simply send it there. There's very little signature uh, of the drone itself, and there's not much we can do to stop it other than shoot it down, and that means we have to see it. Um, you mentioned AI. As artificial intelligence becomes more embedded in the software system of these, 
uh, drones, they'll be able to learn what they're looking for. They'll be able to distinguish between U.S. forces and Iraqi forces, or like based on the uniform, based on you know the, the equipment they're with. Uh, so they'll be able to sit there and longer wait until they get the shot that they want, right? So um, I do think it's a, it's an all hands on deck moment for the U.S. when it comes to the advancement of drones. Uh, and the offensive capacity against us, not just for Iran, but anybody that wants to use it against us and any of our military uh, facilities. Is it so they're like, they're like heat seeking missiles. There's no way to stop them, no way to control. Once you launch, they just, until they hit their target, unless they're shot down midstream, correct? Correct. So we always try to come up with some countermeasures. For heat seekers, we shoot flares uh, out of the back of aircraft that's hotter than the aircraft, right? So that. That's an example of a countermeasure that we use for the heat-seeking missile. So, I mean, I do think we'll catch up. America does that. You know, we had a significant problem with uh, IEDs, you know, improvised explosive devices in Iraq, and we came up with new vehicles that actually more effectively protect our troops against it. And we're going to have to do that here. We're going to have to do something that allows us to, in two things, detect and destroy these, uh, these uh, AI um, UAVs, but also do it in a way that's cost-effective. Because if you develop you develop a hundred thousand uh, dollar defeat system to a five thousand um, dollar threat, you know over time you lose there too. So it's also a matter of being efficient in the way we defend ourselves um, against these these uh, emerging and developing threats. And the problem I see is that any I mean anybody well not anybody, but we could shoot down the drones. They're just hardware, pieces of equipment. We could be faster, quicker, more defensive. It's the technology driving that's going to be hard to track down and to alter. And now you're talking about like a highest level of cyber hacking to get into the, you know, create malware and stuff from that AI system so it doesn't send them your way. I think that's where the challenge is, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It is correct. And the people I've talked to, and you know, I was a ground person in the in the paramilitary department of the agency. So I was not, I'm not an air expert, so I don't want to put, pretend I am. I just happened to talk to a lot recently. And one of the ideas is we're going to create drones that hunt drones that also have artificial intelligence that are up in the sky looking for looking for the very threats that we that we're concerned about. And they're going to uh, be smarter than their drones that are that are coming after us. So that's one way of doing it. And the other the other concept that I've talked a lot about with people today is swarming. So if you send up if they're launching you know five or six drones to come attack a base of which we're uh, resident of, we could send up m- many more smaller ones that can try to determine where it is, get in the proximity of it, and then basically detonate and cause enough. Uh, fragmentation to take down the drone. So there's also, I mean, America, if we're anything, we're, we're innovative and creative. And, uh, and I think that we will catch up with this, but it has been identified by people who really know this area as a significant short coming. And it's not just to our military bases, because if you think about it, um, this could advance to being threats against our civilian population or our, our embassies overseas. It's, you know, obviously we want to protect our military base, period. But as this expands, it's going to be a threat to more than just our, our you know, our military and our intelligence agencies. So, so I have two questions. I want to quickly get one now because I know Joe has a few questions here. And I'm going to save my last question to wrap us at the end. But you, we know that if you're flying in um, 
unmanned space or in, you know, international spaces, planes cannot be in certain airspace. There is a big deal when, you know, they could detect you off radar, technology, AI. Do drones, and I don't know if you could answer this, do they fly under technically the same laws applicable to aircraft carriers being in international space or is it because they're small and they're drones, they don't register on the radar like a bigger aircraft would? So the smaller they are, the less less they would register on the radar. And obviously, there's a certain uh, uh, elevation or altitude, rather, of which if you go under that, to my understanding, they, they don't pick you up at radar. So, um, you know, some of these things are the size of a bird. So we're not going to start tracking everything that size because um, you can, you, I mean, that's just not the capability, as I understand them, that exist today. So we are probably will have to start, especially around airports. Um, coming up with ways to determine whether a UAV is coming there and uh, and try to determine so we can actually do some kind of countermeasures. This is all, the future when it comes to drones is concerning because, the, you know, they're now putting solar powered drones together where it can stay aloft for long periods of time. Um, they can wait for the proper time to take their, their shot rather. And the AI can make sure they hit what they're looking at what they want rather. So, I mean, it is something to be concerned about. Maybe the average American aren't going to be that concerned about it right now, but as it, as it develops, gets uh, proliferated, it will be a threat to civilians in the future. And the United States just needs to get ahead of it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll be able to come up with something that's adequate to defend ourselves, but it needs to start now. I have a very loaded question. I want to hold off for a minute, Joe, let's go to you. Cause you have some specific questions on this. Curious, uh, are we looking at uh, Iran being the culprit here? Yes, I mean, I mean, the ones that I referenced, yeah, uh, specifically against um, the U.S. bases or the U.S. occupied bases uh, in Iraq at the invitation of the Iraqis. Um, we believe that the people who are shooting at us are funded and backed by Iran. So they're they're uh, Iraqi militia that we know you know through long time intelligence gathering have been uh, funded, equipped by what's called the IRGC, uh, which is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, Quds Force, or some people call it the Goads Force, uh, but especially their special operations. And they do a lot of the covert clandestine missions. Again. So we think that they are providing in this type of technology. They're using them to shoot it so they have some kind of deniability. It wasn't us, it was them. Um, quite frankly, they call it proxy warfare. It's been around forever, but it's, it's effectively used by the Iranians uh, quite a bit. Uh, we're not fooled by it, of course. Uh, President Biden, I think, quite uh, rightly uh, ordered uh, strikes back into, I think there was uh, two in two Syria and one right on the border inside of Iraq uh, in the operational logistic hub of where these, uh, where these drones have been coming from. And a lot of people don't know this, but uh, there was a couple of uh, thwarted drone attacks on uh, oil fields in um, Syria, I believe. And that just happened just not too long ago. That's correct. They're, they, they're, of course, Iran is in Syria. Iran does back the Assad uh, uh, regime as, as well as Russia. So they're constantly trying to do things that would um, hurt the partners that we've had there uh, for the last several years, mostly the SDF. Uh, the Syrian Democratic Forces, which is a Kurdish and, and Arab uh, forces that are aligned against the side. So one of their revenue streams is these these oil fields, like you referenced. 
So yeah. they would like to attack them to be able to eliminate them as a source of revenue for something they they rightfully view as one of the last holdouts against the Assaders. Interesting. Now, where are they getting these drones? Because there's a prol proliferation of drones everywhere in the Middle East, it seems like right now. I mean, do we know who they've been buying these uh, these weapons from? So for a long time, um, most of all the drones we saw in Yemen and Syria came from Iran. They produced their own drones. They get through technology of, you know, either they purchased on the open market. I mean, because, you know, drones are used for a lot of things, right? They're not all weapons. Like some of the drones that we first started using called Scan Eagle were actually used by fishermen to find schools of salmon, right? They can stay up and they can, you know, so it, there is plenty of commercial application to it. So they have a reason to have them. For a long time, the proxy forces they used uh, didn't have the capability to develop themselves. What we're seeing now, which most concerning is the actual militias are actually being able to put together rudimentary basic drones. Okay. So now all that Iran would have to do is provide, you know, to Sarah's earlier question, um, the artificial intelligence type software that could go with it. They can't, obviously the militias can't develop that now or can't, can't uh, put that on. But once they get it, they can put it on. So it's, and that, what that means is it's more difficult for the U.S. to intercept uh, drones going to a place if they're actually being built right. in the place. So if they're building them in Syria, then it's, we don't even know they're coming until they're actually coming. Right. And I, I would imagine with, with Raisi coming in power, we can expect a lot more of this. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, uh, a a correct point. Raisi is a hardliner. Um, one of the people that I think we were most concerned about actually becoming the president. But essentially, they eliminated all the real significant um, competition to them. There's a council there that chooses who can run, and they basically took out all the moderates, uh, people that would be more inclined to having a better relationship to the West. We're not allowed to run. So it was, a, it was a scam election, but Raisi, who is very close to the Ayatollah, has taken uh, taken the helm, and he is somebody who, just in his rhetoric alone, but also his actions over um, the last many decades, is is a hardliner against the U.S., and it might make it very difficult to try to reduce, if not eliminate, some of these proxy attacks. Let me ask you a question, Mick. I you know, we I, the drones. Obviously, I know what you got. You and Joe are going for where you're getting them, where you're building them. I know if they're being built there, it's harder to you know to know what's going on. But doesn't the AI, because it is tech based, doesn't that or is that where it's going to parlay into a bigger cyber um, hacking warfare? Because technology can be hacked into, no matter how advanced it is. There are ways that so we could hack into their AI, AI with very um, elite cyber hackers, but then they could hack in to us when we're trying to shoot them down and jam up. I mean, is that, are you concerned we may end up opening a bigger can of worms to become another problem on top of the existing problem because technology is at play? So there's a lot of discussion inside the U.S. defense industry, not just the department, about the concerns of artificial intelligence, right? And that's, that's a big question. I mean, we probably should do a whole podcast on that. Um, because quite frankly, when you take out the human component of decision-making, when it comes to lethal action by a state, you really get into an issue. I mean, that's, you know, science fiction movies are made mm -hmm. uh, of that premise and probably rightfully so, because um, 
that that is that is that should be a concern to everybody. Artificial intelligence, I'm sure, will help in the medical field and the agriculture and all sorts of good things. But when it comes to the defense industry, um, it there is many questions that need to be resolved, ethical and of course just purely a command and control. The problem is, like a lot of these things, when it comes to is our adversaries also have to agree to some kind of restrictions on it. If they don't, then the U.S. would be hard-pressed to unilaterally restrict ourselves. Because the thing about AI, it will decide things faster than humans can. It'll determine what's going to happen faster than humans can. So if you, if you allow yourself not to develop it, then you might put yourself substantially behind our, you know, our adversaries, whether it be China or Russia or Iran. So it is, you know, just like nuclear weapons was in the 60s and 70s and continues till today, it has to be something that we both um, deal with as a threat to humanity, but also can't just unilaterally say, well, we're out because we put ourselves at a significant well, it's kind of like, you know, going into like the whole Bitcoin um, crypto space. These are algorithms. You can't break them. You can't stop them. You can't make more. You can't change them. On the Bitcoin, their server base, an algorithm was released. Only so many were made. There's nothing anybody could do or trace back to who, when, where, and why. I mean, that's how advanced, think how technology was years ago when that happened. But think how much more advanced that is on the AI side. Some This is going to become an unhackable technology eventually and that's what i think is a little bit scary about it because it, it, it is being used for good to your point because i know we talked jonah has some great conversations about nasa and you know the russians the chinese the the space stations that using the technology up there you know it's like the wild west up there because nobody really owns anything but they're using ai you know so we it, there's so much good to it but if it's starting to be used more and more of like weapons of mass destruction it could obsolete it in general for all these other areas that it's doing good in because it's just become such a mess to figure out where the leaks are anymore so i, I feel like we're so grateful to have the technology but there's going to be a line we're crossing towards going to start you being used against us on a lot of areas that we can't control and yeah, so absolutely. It's just like at first, we were the ones that created nuclear weapons and we used them to end World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then everybody else caught, caught up with us that, that led into the Cold War. We might see a situation like that uh, with artificial intelligence, where the, the countries that first develop it have a great advantage, but eventually others catch up. And then it's going to be, then it's gonna be uh, a situation that I think has to be addressed with treaties, and at least when it comes to the defense application of it. Okay, so let's pivot over. We brought this up. It's a good segue into, oh, is it Jigpo? Did I sound trendy when I said that? Or is that a JC? Jigpo, that's what all the cool kids in policy. <laughs> cool kids. Not um, that I'm one of them, but yeah. JCPOA, it's the Iran nuclear agreement with Europe and the United States. How is this being affected by that? And how is that going to control, help, help us, be against us? I mean, how does this whole thing play into that? So, uh, you know, the JCPOA was not a perfect agreement. It did not necessarily address things like proxy warfare, like we've been discussing already, but it did address the nuclear weapons issue and the, and the desire by the international community to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, which I think we all think would be a bad and destabilizing thing for the region. Um, the last administration decided to get out of it. I think there was a lot of pushback internal. Uh, because, you know, it might have been a perfect agreement, but it was an agreement that at least kept them from doing things like enriching uranium to a point of weaponizing it, 
storing enough so you could make a weapon, things like that. So they got, they unilaterally pulled out. Uh, and then we saw Iran start enriching uranium higher, storing, uh, keeping uh, like heavy water, water storage, et cetera, beyond the limits. So I think it would be in everybody's interest to get Iran uh, back into the, the uh, standards of the agreement with the um, advantage that they get, which is we start reducing the sanctions we have on them, which has really crippled uh, their economy. So to the extent that uh, we'd all like to see that happen and address the malign activities like the proxies, um, this, these actions to the Iranian part might be a, an effort to push us toward that, um, you know, the attacks on our bases. I mean, whether that's a good idea or effective, one can argue, but that might be what they're trying to do. The election, you know, like Joe brought up of Raisi, uh, it's probably going to hurt the the chances of getting back into that agreement. I hope that they can see the advantage to their own people. Um, I mean, like any of these type of despotic regimes, when you when you impose sanctions on them, it's the people who take the hit. hit. Somehow the the leaders still, you know, are in caviar and Perrier, what have you. They're still they still manage to do just fine. So I mean, if they have really concerned about their own uh, people, they ought to they ought to look uh, at getting back into that agreement and getting back into you know the rest of the international community's norms and and action. Okay, so I kind of have a loaded question here for a second, um, and I know we're going to wrap pretty soon. It, 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 this is personal because I know this is not coming from. Um, I know you can't talk about this from a political standpoint. You mentioned earlier to Joe's question on the drones that you know the concern was it's not just putting them over the bases into civilian territories and areas where, you know, casualties of war happen that don't need it because these drones are deadly. AI is more effective than original way of warfare. Is this a concern, obviously, to, in the Middle East right now, but that could actually be the probably into the future of terrorist attacks around the world in the U.S.? Because, you know, it was like maybe last year or six, nine months ago, there was a drone rocket flying too close to um, flights at LAX here in Los Angeles. And it was all over the news here. And the pilots were radio towering in to the radio tower like, hey, did you guys see that? Was that supposed to be there? And it was a big issue to, um, I guess, ban all drones, um, recreation or not, because they cannot be within airspace of the airport. And you know, even though it was local, probably some kids, it is still an issue um, that became a big issue here at LAX during COVID. Is this an issue that you guys are looking into or do you feel is something that needs to be uncovered more to protect from terrorism across the world in other countries and the U.S.? Or is this a centralized thing in the Middle East right now that's not a concern elsewhere? Yeah, so I, I absolutely do think it's, a, it's a, a concern to see terrorist groups start getting their hands on these. One, because nation states usually develop them when they fund terrorist organizations for their own purposes. And because some of this stuff is already being being developed and used by terrorist organizations, so it's already happening. To your point, though, you know, will it will we see it in the United States? I certainly hope not. But I don't think we should rely on hope. I think it. I think it absolutely. They absolutely will try to do it. Um, it's much easier to use a drone to get into a location than to try to say hijack a plane like they did in 9/11. Uh, you you add AI into that and just. I mean, I don't. This isn't something I know they're trying to do. But AI can say. Oh, I know exactly where to where to explode to take down a 747. Right? I don't know where that is, but if if somebody knows and they can teach the 
the, the, the drone through artificial intelligence to be able to determine where that is, then you could use a smaller drone to get right in that right location at the right time and, you know, take off a wing or whatever it is. Uh, I'm not saying they're doing that. I have no idea. And I'm not a, an aeronautical engineer. So, but I'm saying that it is a big concern that terrorists could use this to cause uh, mass casualties in the United States. And it would be a shock, I think, the first first view to Americans to realize what's happening here. Uh, uh, so I like when it comes to defending U.S. forces overseas, we should get ahead of it, not wait till something happens. It is going to happen if we do not if we not determine an adequate way to defend ourselves. Well, I think it's like everything else. It's not a matter of if it's when someone's going to get smarter, savvier and figure out how to do something. So it's always good to stay ahead when it comes to military and defense. So I, I totally agree with you. I, Joe, you know, I, I want to wrap and let me go, but do you have any, is there anything you want to add or ask that we haven't uncovered? I know this was a quick one, but I want to make sure we cover this topic. No, I'm good. I'm, I, I, Mick answered everything I had. So we're perfect. We're okay. okay. Mick, it was so good having you on to talk about this. Thank you so much. I know you've been busy doing a lot of interviews on the topic, but, um, you know, we look forward to having you on again on our next podcast. And until then, thank you. And you know, keep us posted on any advancements on this right now with the drones and all the AI. Absolutely, Sarah. Great talking to you and Joe. Really Great, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for joining us for Global Crisis Watch. This Media Mavens podcast special presentation is brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. To find more podcasts and to learn more about our hosts and guests, please go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.